This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like the Bear Friend Tea Party and Joanne Rittenauer. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We'd really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that retooled itself a third time, only to end up canceled earlier when Sybil, no, Chris, no, Sybil, ran their mouth. This is Season 8, Episode 1, covering the generalities of Xenosaga Episode 3, finally a good video game. I am your host, uh, Chris Taylor, my pronouns are he, him, and with me today is... Cancelled Sybil, she, her. <laughs> uh, Mad Marcus, he, him. Not Ryan, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, Ryan couldn't make it today. Vector Systems couldn't generate an ID badge without a big MRF on it, and they'll fix it later, by which I Oof. mean either Ryan or Vector, I'm not sure. Mine has MF, Oof. but it's not a gender. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, in the wake of Xenosaga Episode 2, a lot of things happen, and here is the fallout from the last game. Xenosaga Episode 2 launches on June 4th, 2004. Please note, all of these are Japanese dates because only two of the titles we're going to discuss ever saw the West. In the wake of it, a mass of spinoffs and side games release until the series concludes. A month later, July 14th, 2004, Xenosaga Pied Piper releases. The game consists of a massive backstory for characters that was allegedly cut from the Xeno 2 origins in the form of a 100-year prequel to the series that centers around a cat-and-mouse game between special ops policeman Jan Sauer and a terrorist going by Voyager on the planet Abraxas. Later, it will be renamed Mictum in the story because, sure. Over the course of the three... Abraxas is a horrible Star Wars name. It's also the name of a... It's the name of a Carlos Santana album. And it also makes me think of... I'm pretty sure it's a Jesse Ventura movie. I don't know who Carlos Santana is. Oh or Jesse Ventura, actually. Ugh. Have you never seen Predator? <laughs> I have seen Predator. <laughs> who was that? Jesse Ventura is the big bald one. Okay, that guy's cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to even pretend like you would ever know who Carlos Santana is, but... Have you I heard mean, Rob oh, Thomas's smooth? Have you heard smooth? He's the guitarist. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. He's that guy. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I figured that would make it easier for you. <laughs> Known for exactly that and only that one hit wonder. Because we uh, God, that, as, as someone who likes music from the 60s and 70s, I'm just I'm dying over here. I'm only leaning into this harder and harder as it's clear that Matt is more and more upset by this. It's fine. I don't even like uh, Carlos Santana all that much. He's all right. Uh, over the course of three chapters released episodically through the year, we got more information on chaos, 
Wilhelm, a political drama inside the immigrant fleet as Sergius XIV, not Sergius XVII from Xenosaga II, assassinated his predecessor to take power. Uh, Dmitry Yuryev, pre-Institute or Udu research, a proto-realian series that led to the creation of Canaan, and the founding of very key to Xenosaga III organization Scientia, anti-UMN crusaders. Don't you mean Scientia? No. (laughs) They pronounce it hard to see, man. Whatever. (laughs) I will not do that because I'm an untranslated town, baby. (laughs) Ah. Looking forward to fighting a Belen later. Uh, it's an incredibly interesting story and points to a very different direction that Soraya Saga wanted to play in, examining a lot of moral questions in the era of the Life Recycling Act and a much more tense galaxy on the verge of war, especially when this thing called the Zohar appears on stage, and questions of, should we really encephalon dive into a dead man to solve crimes? This seems fucked up. And other things the cast takes for granted by the time that the series begins. It's a visual novel RPG hybrid. Gameplay is modeled after Xenosaga 1, but you're there for the story. The RPG stuff is very 8-bit in nature. Real talk, that would be a welcome reprieve from the rest of the Xenosaga series. We have to try pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth or just watching a Let's Play? It's a... You can't watch a Let's Play because there's very little footage surviving. It was a phone game. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And like ye oldie phone game. Yeah, this this was Java. I don't know if we even have dumps of this. Well, (laughs) rip to Pied Piper, I guess. There's a script out there if you want to read it. Fans have translated it because this was a pretty big part of story for the game. But little bits of it show up in Xenosaga 3 in a very limited form. Yeah, I, I gotta say, the um, the encyclopedia seems pretty robust in this game, so it's, it's probably some of that's gonna show up in there. Severely glossing over a lot of these things and what you're about to cover. I played all of Fair Xenosaga enough. 3 last weekend by skipping all of the cutscenes, and it only took about four hours. Big. You, you, could, you could do yeah, that? What? <laughs> yeah. What? Big. Big fan of how there are basically four final bosses and you could tell where each game was supposed to end. (laughs) Yeah, that's not wrong. Uh, There's a reason I broke up some of this a little more conservatively for cutscene reasons. Yeah, Matt, this game is like four hours long if you skip all the cutscenes. It's incredible. But I think so much of the game is running from cutscene to cutscene. Like there's uh-huh. there is connective tissue. I mean, granted, uh-huh. if you're I'm sure oh, there's over out, nine I mean, hours. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, because I'm like I'm five hours into this game right now, and I had to stop because I was going to get too far ahead of the show. But I still only played like a dungeon and a half. Yeah. Well, you also don't have a turbo button on your keyboard. That's yeah. That's the other. That thing. also I'm not probably emulator. explains four hours. And you also are not using a game shark. It just took four hours because of running time. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going full <laughs> debauchery on this one. I'm sorry. I'm not going to on normal. I was just like, how long is, how much is content? Is there really not a lot? Zone of the mm-hmm. Enders two tier almost. Yeah. Mm. You're unfamiliar, Matt. Zone of the Enders two is 13 hours long and there's an hour and a half of gameplay. I've heard that about that game but like that game fucking that's rules, wild by the way. to me it rules so like 
It's an anime with like a we could talk of about scenes. we could talk about that on one of our anime podcasts easily. Yes, especially the actual anime. Oh, they made an anime out of it. Yeah, yeah. The game is just an anime, Matt. I don't. I've never played it. Like it's always been on my like. Hey, someday I might play this. And then when the remasters came out, people were like, "Eh, not really. Don't bother." I was gonna say and the I remasters are pretty good if you wanted it, to play them that way. It's it's like a mecha anime, but like here's some parts that they're not. The closest comparison is like Virtual On, but it's not clunky to play. I remember I liked Virtual On when I played it in the arcades. Like even though it is clunky, it's Hell just yeah. fun to play with the two joysticks. Yeah, it's great. But that that's kind of that's the closest comparison to what it's like. But it's yeah. very easy to play. Yeah, it's more VO than Armored Core. Yeah, got it. I haven't played Armored Core either. So uh, Armored, in the PS2 era, it was pretty clunky mm. and now it just feels clunky but play but the controls are good <laughs> well mm. now it's a fucking ghost right, <laughs> there hasn't been one in a while right no not since the ps3 Oof, which fun. is a bummer because that one was good that was a uh, for oh, answer, yeah, no, the series it? was really getting to cool places by the end mm, so cool look, oh! look mecha souls is gonna happen mecha souls is gonna it's happen not gonna eventually. happen I know. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah, half it. the staff from from <laughs> from that era has left. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anyway, get us back on track. On January 5th of 2005, Xenosaga the animation debuts, running for three months on TV Asahi. It's somehow the worst thing in the entire Xenosaga franchise. And if you want to hear us opine at length about it, hit us up on the Patreon. We will have a bonus episode up there soon. Probably by this recording, hopefully, maybe a little after. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna tear this one a, a new one. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I won't be there because I respect myself. That's not sure, true, Chris. But also, I won't. The be man sure. claims he respects himself, and yet he's still here. That's true. I I did start <laughs> multiple podcasts. Heartbreaking. Worst person you know lies to your face. <laughs> most maladjusted person you know voice i'm just vibing <laughs> anyway over a period we couldn't find exact dates for a light novel by the name of xenosaga 223 colon a missing year is put out on namco's website for free between 2015 and 2016 i read that correctly it is literally like Number two, two, three. I I fucked up the dates there. Uh, two thousand five to two thousand six. Yeah, that's. Oh my god! Imagine if it was only five years ago. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, we finally decided we were going to give you all the stuff we cut out of Xenosaga three. Sorry, we just found this in a closet. Well, that would have been a great like leading up to like a remaster in that era, but of course the remaster. I mean. They, are they teasing it? Were they no, almost never, teasing it, it? They they were going to do it, and there was just not enough interest in it. I thought it like came back again after that, where somebody said, maybe, No, at this maybe. point, a few people have explicitly said it's not happening, and the speculation is because of the fact that they can't just do a cash grab like they did with um, the .hack ones. They all share an engine. They just put all the contents into one thing. I still want to play those, even though I know they're C-tier. That, yeah, really. If you want to respect your time, don't go near <laughs> .hack. Look, I'm going to have a PlayStation 2 at my desk and nothing to do on a lunch break. Mm. If you think Xenosaga 2 wasted your time, wait till you get to grinding for virus cores. Hell yeah. 
in the light novels, the story is basically what if the Uzuki siblings and occasionally other people in the cast, what, what have they been up to between Xenosaga 2 and Xenosaga 3? There's a very, very brief version of it included in the database of Xenosaga 3. The only things that are worth mentioning from that are that apparently Nephilim's father also existed as a ghost in the UMN slash collective unconscious, but he was much more hateful. The events of his manifestation and terrorism, as well as the investigation to find him, are what finally convinced Xion that Vector is outright malicious and this is what causes her to part ways with the company between games. And this is something that we will talk about a lot in the next episode. The other thing is, the reason I made the mistake of 2015, 2016 above, they've removed this from the website. The website it was on is just gone. Rip. Yeah, I think it was around that. If you like anything on the internet, download it. <laughs> well, yeah. I would say you wouldn't download a light novel, but... Yeah, I think both of us do that a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Getting into the Death Note manga, I see. On, uh, <laughs> on March 30th, 2006, Azito Saga 1 Plus 2 releases for the Nintendo DS. It's an attempt to both get people ready for the imminent Episode 3 and also a more cleaned-up version of the plot of the prior games combined with side stories. And we have discussed a lot of this and its revisions during prior seasons, but in short, it's the best version if you don't need fancy anime cutscenes and want other things to be way worse. And finally, on July 6th, 2006, Xenosaga Episode 3, also Sprock Zarathustra, releases in Japan. And a month and change later, at the end of August, the U.S. receives their own release. Get fucked, Europe! Yep, mm -hmm. only got one Xeno game, and it was the worst one. <laughs> yep. It's so fucking good. That's what you deserve. In terms of staff, very little changed from episode two. The director, writer, and a lot of staff remain the same, with Tetsuya Takahashi retaining supervision and scenario writer credits. One thing that is immediately noticeable is art style has changed for a third time, trying to meld the takes of the past titles. Kyoichi Mugitani, returning production designer, was also bumped up to character designer and contributed mech design for this game as well. Similarly, Matt put the meme in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Similarly, the English dub was handled by Cup of Tea Productions, the studio who debuted with episode two, but multiple voice actors from the episode one cast returned under their supervision, and this project marks one of the first titles handled by 8-4 Productions, an excellent Japanese localization studio. Like the good one. The best one, maybe. They are top tier. They've had some flubs, but when you spread yourself thin, uh, you do that. All your favorite, all my favorite games have been. Uh, yes. I will say with some slight bias, good company. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, the score was composed once more by Yuki Kajira, this time without Shinji Hosoe on backup. There's only a single soundtrack album for the game, Original Sound Best Tracks, but according to some production staff, we would have needed six discs to hold all the music Kajira composed for this title, so instead we pared it down to two discs we felt best represent the whole. There is a track on this OST that never fails to crack me up in that it is some Irish-tier understatement, The Milsha Incidents. So, 
Uh-huh. Whenever I'm editing the uh, when I'm editing the other podcast, the track that makes me laugh is there's just one called Game Theory on the Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack. It's <laughs> so, pretty good. On yeah. that note, I have started a horror podcast with a buddy of mine, and we began with Saw Four, a series I had never touched, and he had to explain to me that in the first film there is a song they play over the closing of the film where all the secrets are revealed and all the twists pop and they start using it over the course of the series but at first they try renaming it and then they just go back to the name it had originally so the final track in the first one is hello zeb because that's the name of the track of the tape and then by the time we start getting to saw the final chapter They've given up on renaming it, and there's just a track called The Final Zeb. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh You know, one of the funny things about the OST, because I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, I tend to buy the CDs and import them. So when I imported the soundtrack for this, it came with a Xenosaga 3 branded memory card holder. You know, the little plastic... Nice. thing you case to put your memory i don't cards understand in. the point of so those because you're it, never taking them out of your playstation i mean i guess the idea is if you had multiple and you if wanted you were a to, fighting game fan you would also bring them over to places yeah i guess if you're traveling with them yeah this was just a thing that existed back in the day before there was you know solid state hard drives and everything but yeah so i have like the whole set when it comes to the ost so that it's a nice little touch but it's also kind of silly is it shaped like the zohar mat that would have been awesome, but it no. really should be. It really should be. And it's not even yellow. It's uh, it's blue. A light blue. It sucks. Huh. What has changed for the gameplay? There's a giant change right off the bat. The triangle, square, circle choice of basic attacks is gone. There's just a normal attack command now. The event slot roulette is also gone, which I was more surprised about, to be honest. After battle reward multipliers still exist, but they exist in the form of this new mechanic called finishing strikes. So every main character has these special attacks that are called Special attacks, <laughs> which are <laughs> which are uh, potent moves that each character has three of, and ESs have these as well. And if you defeat an enemy using one of these attacks, and they, they cost boost to use, you get a finishing strike bonus, which I believe is plus 50% on the EXP. Yeah. 
It's huge. And cash. Get it every battle. There are not a lot of battles. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a lot about the finishing moves because I, I feel like it changes the way I play this game so, so much. But anyway, special attacks are leveled up by repeated use. So like the more often you use them, the stronger they become and they do actually get like level levels up. If you really want to grind these, they can be brought up to level 25 for some absolutely obscene multipliers. But there are two exceptions to the every use rule. Chaos's Imperial Judgment and Junior's Red Dragon are powered up by gaining kills with their level one special attacks. And the XP from these stronger moves comes not from usage, but from the amount of souls devoured by the other move. So Chaos's attack absorbs Gnosis souls and Junior attack absorbs Gnosis and biological souls, which is yes. fucked up. <laughs> For some reason, Cosmos, the woman who devoured a Gnosis fleet with her torso, does not have one of these moves herself. Mm -hmm. As well, uh, note that while characters have to consume boost to use these attacks, ESs have a new gauge called Anima, which is spent on special attacks. You should basically always be using Anima when the gauge is full, because it levels up real quick. I like I like how the, the space battles work. They're cool. In a similar vein to how if you really want to, special attacks can be leveled to create obscenities against God. There exists in the game a special shop where you can buy permanent stat upgrades of every single type. There's very little post-game or optional content in this title, but if you feel like it, it will just let you destroy everything. Speaking of character development, there are now two and a half skill paths for each character to spend skill points on for development. You're not like really locked in, but you probably want to focus for a while. But closer to the end game, you'll be able to start dumping points wherever to unlock whatever on whoever. And each skill path ends in one massive master skill for that build, which can be absolutely wild, ranging from always crit for X number of turns to always evade for X number of turns. As well as, there are three items in the game called EX Skill Keys, which unlock bonus categories of skill per character in three waves. When you obtain one, everyone will gain the ability to buy, uh, for example, EX Skill Groups A through D, but what each character has under these varies. The final one on some of those, uh, especially for casters, are wild, because it's basically just... Do you want a full battlefield max power ether that targets everything? You now have one. Physical <laughs> attackers feel so good in this game, even though they're strictly worse. They're like Jin is extremely fun. Uh, Cosmos is super broken with one of her master skills. I bet. Yeah, I might just go Uzuki and friends this time. Is it worth like looking up the skill trees? Because you're kind of blind when you're playing it. Because I'm trying to play this one without no. a lot of guide help. I, I thought you could look down the tree. I For some reason, it's not letting me. I don't know why. And guess what? You'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I promise. You can, you can tell from the first level or two of each one what they're going for with that character. And again, later on, you'll have the points to just get everything. Especially if you're using finishing attacks. It's so weird that Bobo immediately becomes short. <laughs> Momo is back to normal, normal life. 
Uh, the break mechanic has also changed. For one thing, every character, including player characters, now has a break gauge. When you are broken, you cannot act for multiple turns and you will take bonus damage in that state. This leads to a new style of design on techs and ethers. Some moves are more potent but don't break, others hit less hard but break more. As well, since break is a stat with a gauge and thus can be tracked, you can avoid your characters fully breaking by swapping someone out. Or a couple of the casters have ethers that will heal break status, or the meter. Isn't the game primarily about juggling also at this point? Um, it helps. Yeah, some characters can, you know, do the knock them into the air launchers with a broken enemy, but that's one of those things that falls under when an enemy is broken, that is when you start getting tactical. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, very, very proto-13, especially when you get into, like, having massive boost pools and just swapping people in and out and trying to just maximize this break window before you start over to build up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten a good feel on the boost cycle, because it feels like my boost is not building a lot, at least in the early stages of this game. But if it's going up to, you know, the levels that we're going to talk about, that it, I guess it, that's going to change. You're kind of going to use like your first, you're going to break faster than you max boost. And the first one is usually like, here's a defensive window. Mm-hmm. Also, you are going to gain some stats or uh, a couple of characters have uh, master skills on one tree that are just, how would you like boost meter to ratchet up? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's some skills that are developed around turning certain people into boost canceling machines. Uh, speaking of the boost gauge, it can now be extended up to nine levels by equipping characters with accessories that raise the party's pool. These people do have to be in the party for it to stay raised, though. Oh, it feels so bad when you find that out the first time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. Because you'll only have one of these accessories at first, and all of a sudden your gauge will drop when you need to swap someone out for healing. And then you, you swap back and don't get it back. It feels so bad. Oh, oh that's so mean. I mean, how else would it work? Otherwise, it'd be broken because you just start with nothing and swap in for a bunch of free boost, right? Yeah. Oh, well, would you get bought? I mean, but that's just like storing boosts across battles, which is what we've done in the past, right? Yeah, but look, this is a PlayStation 2 game, Matt. Fair, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot going on in these battles, even with the simplification. The trap system from prior games now has a lot more player control instead of just being whatever level designers thought about it. So you carry around a set number of these in dungeons and can deploy them where you like, detonating with the usual explode mode key. And this means if you think that, say, a destructible object is going to have an enemy inside it, maybe you set a trap first as prepare. Uh, a lot of different things can be done with this. If there's a choke point that looks like it's going to be nasty, set one of these and give yourself a bonus coming into the battle. I go into explode mode whenever I step on a Lego. <laughs> I miss idle thumbs. Characters now have five equipment slots. Weapons, armor, and three accessories, which are necklace, ring, and bracelet. This is pretty much the only way the game tries to balance anything. 
because each class has a bunch of stuff that they don't want you doubling up on. Like, bracelets are half defense against certain elements or status, or rings can turn your basic attack into different styles of elements. And necklaces are a lot of weirdo things, like maybe it's XP up, maybe it's you are going to get a bunch of EP back, maybe you steal life. All of this, like, meta battle stuff has just become, like, a monolith soft standard. Because, like, Xenoblade uh, and Xenoblade 2 are still exactly like this in terms of, like, how the accessories are balanced and, like, you can't stack up across classes and the boost gauge is now the party gauge, but it has similar stuff and you spend it on different things. It's, it's just This has just become, like, the house style for that meta stuff of, related to combat. It's very good. I can see yeah. why once you get something... And this is pretty well tuned. Yeah. No, this is a great, great balance on this game. Yeah, maybe you refine it a little more. But yeah, no, I'm just going to say this now. I think some of the end game is rushed because they're trying to cram everything in. This game falls a little shy near the end with just throwing things at you one after another and cram it all in. But... I'm very curious what the version of this that became two games would have looked like with how you develop these systems. Do you throw all of this in? Do you go bit at a time? What what was the idea here? It would have to be way worse because one of the one of the things that I think is really good is the amount of narrative to gameplay while high. It's like Xenosaga one level rather than it being there just being more gameplay in between these stories. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. it benefits from feeling like it really moves along. Right. So let's talk about localization changes for the game. Uh for some reason they decided to uh hack this down so that it would land at a teen rating in the US. And as a result, the game is almost entirely bloodless, which turns a lot of scenes into outright parody. And if you ever find yourself going, what the hell is this? You should probably assume that's because everything with a specific red value was removed from the FMV. So there's probably something that was supposed to be there that isn't there anymore. <laughs> yep. So without spoiling anything, this also leads to multiple character deaths being abruptly cut away from or zoomed in on to avoid showing anything that is too mature for teens, I guess. And they also cover it up with a bloom filter so that the blood is now glowing light or just straight up becoming farcical as you try to guess what is happening originally in the scene when someone starts moving in a way that has no impact to it. Like there's just, they kind of butcher it a little bit. I'm only going to bring up three of these specifically during the game, but I just wanted to point it out as a thing because otherwise we're going to be talking about some weird cutscene direction, and I just wanted you to know why. If you are playing along and emulating this on CD Romance, you can get a... Um, they basically applied the dub to the... like slightly adjusted timings and applied it to the um, JP release, so you can just get like the English dub, but uncensored, off of there. Sick. Not a bad Good idea. Good on whoever did that. <laughs> yeah, big ups. Yeah. Thank you, Warrior, who decided to create the reverse of an undub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they also uh, recut a shower scene. Because shower scene. 
So uh, that's it for this episode. The mechanics are pretty straightforward. It's all in the tuning rather than the mechanics being complicated. So uh, we have all started playing uh, to various degrees. And how are we feeling about it so far? It's great. It, it's amazing how much higher the production values just across the board are. Like, just coming from two to three, just the, the quality of the, the voice acting, the writing, the art direction, like, it's it doesn't seem like it's on the same system almost. Like, yeah. It really does feel like super, super late PS2 compared to, like, super, super early PS2. But I, I think Xenosaga 2 was right, stri strictly in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah, 2004. Yeah, like... In terms of when it was made, not how good it is. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, the thing that sort of, like, hit me really over the head is, like, wow, they felt like they actually put in real effort into everything. Like, even though it's... Yeah, it, it's probably something we're going to talk about a lot as the season goes on, but, like, I was, like, pretty much, like, are these the same... Is this the same company? This is absolutely wild. My memory of this is that they almost completely pull this off. And even though it might be near the bottom of the list in terms, if you were to make like a top 10 list, this is still like a goat. Yeah, I, I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far. And like, given how much they've had to, you know, sort of elide or cut or, you know, retcon and whatnot, like it doesn't feel bad to play. The only thing that's kind of a bummer is just like, Come on, guys. Give Miyuki a break. Just cut her some slack. She does get to make one of the ultimate weapons. I mean, okay, fine. But, like, damn, like, Shion just, like, take it, like, take it down a notch. Miyuki did get promoted over her. Imagine being salty about that. To be yeah. fair, it is her fault. Also, she did blow up a ton of company property. <laughs> and then leave the company. And then left. Yeah. I can't believe they can give me a better title and keep music consultant. <laughs> I presume you saw the thing going around yesterday where a guy was hooked up with an interview from the company that just fired him. No. A recruiter sets this guy up with an interview for his old position. Oh, my God. And so God. he How goes in that up? with a fake mustache and just goes through the entire interview. And he says, it took about an hour before they put me near anyone who I had worked with, and they had given me a bunch of free snacks during the whole thing. And then my boss comes and sees me and gets real mad because this wonderkind who's quite qualified for the entire thing, who's wowed the interviewer with their knowledge, is the guy he just let go. And he's like, so am I not getting any more snacks? Recruiters fucking suck so bad, dude. I have never interacted with a good recruiter. Yeah, I did, actually. Uh, that's how I got my current job. Guy, like, busted his ass to give me, like, get me through the interview process in under two weeks because I had another offer coming. And Recruiters are really you-have-to-know-a-guy type situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, to get in the door, absolutely. But, like, this guy No, I mean really... to, get a good, to get a good... To have a good experience with recruiters. Big fuck to Robert Half and other places like it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was an internal recruiter. This wasn't, like, a recruiting... I guess what's the difference? No one calls really, those recruiters, Matt. They're just called HR. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's do commercials. Okay. Love so, to call them commercials so everyone can turn off the podcast. 
<laughs> First off, Boku no Stop. There are two versions of it. There's a free version. We talk about this every episode, but we're wrapping up G Gundam on the premium feed for patrons. We're going to be doing Jujutsu Kaisen? Kaisen? How, what is it? Kaisen. I, I, there's an Kaisen. There. Yeah, it'll be in the notes. Uh, well, we're going to oh, start oh. that. That's supposedly a good show. I haven't seen it before, but look, we're just happy to be done with G Gundam. I watched a couple episodes of it. It's very good. I keep Wait. confusing it with Demon Slayer, which I also yeah, haven't me seen. too. Demon Slayer looks like dog shit, and by you dog shit, I mean it looks like a generic anime, and anime is bad. You are going to get so much hate for that because that has become one of the most profitable series in history. I don't fucking care. Come at me. I think it's I'm just because it's more warning. moe. It's got like a the, the moe soft faces. Email your complaints about Demon Slayer to me at ChrisTaylor.zone. Let's go, buddy. Do it. But for free, we are still putting out Boku no Stop doing Monster. We are about, what, two-thirds of the way through now? We're getting <laughs> close <laughs> to the end? No. no. <laughs> we just talked about, like, episode 46 of 79, Matt. Oh, God. I Don't you have it's a like data low... analyst job? Can't you do? Come on, dude. I, I forgot what the, I keep <laughs> thinking, like, low 70s and not high 70s. So, yeah, you're right. It's, like, halfway. It's 74. But there's also like the bonus episode, right? There's like a like an extra. No, there's no bonus episode. My folder has like one extra episode that's not numbered. Weird. Uh, it it stops at seventy four. I don't know what. It's probably got. the demo file, so you can look at how the rip is. I'm curious. I'm or it could it be a right trailer. Now. now I'm curious if I've got this. It's picture. called. It just. It's called EC. It would be number seventy five. It's called the beginning. Okay. Yeah, that's a trailer. Oh. Okay. Never mind then. So yeah, only 75, uh, there's like 30 episodes left. We're past yeah. the halfway point. Also, yeah. I have like one other thing that is not related to the network. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I might as That's well. That's what this here. is for. <laughs> I know, but I only talk about network stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a manga review that should be live by the time this comes out on okazu.com, which is the uh, website entirely focused on uh, Yuri anime and manga uh, i wrote a review for how do we relationship for so check that out just fair warning that there's spoilers for what happens in that volume but uh it's a very good series you should check it out mm-hmm. does your dad know about this no <laughs> didn't think so. my dad doesn't know what anime is <laughs> mine did <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I came home and found him passed out with a remote in one hand, his dick in the other, and hentai on the TV? You have now. <laughs> that happened. Shooter's got to shoot. Anyhow, uh, if you want to hear more <laughs> stories like that, or just see what I do on podcasts that don't involve these two, you can find a nexus of all my projects at hellscaper.com. We launched that horror show recently, and if I do say so myself, Sheep Scares is pretty good. You can listen to Ryan and I's podcast, Icons and Icons, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. We're finally free of rating and talking about the 2.1 cycle of Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. If you like the great King Moogle song, you're an asshole. <laughs> That's all until next time when we'll be talking about the tutorial dungeon until the Momo Would You Like to Save screen appears. Until then, peace out, fuckers. See ya. Yeah. I did the double horns instead of the peace sign that time for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, there's no-